Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway. The numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on v one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Good. Tuesday morning, too. It is a numbers game at v the Sports Betting Network. v the v app, Fubo, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV, all proudly brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. It's Gil Alexander, the camera pan to start the show once again. Very dramatic this morning. Nice job downstairs. Jeffrey Parlay is here as well. Jeffrey, good morning, sir. Jeff, uh... Pulling double duty there behind the good, glass. Good morning, Gil. Jeff, it's like you're distracted. It's like you're doing a job. Oh, it's back almost there. like I'm trying to get something else going. <laughs> uh, good show today. Drew Dinsick will join us here momentarily from both the uh, Bet the Edge podcast and Deep Dive podcast, Bet the Edge from NBC Sports, to talk football and tennis with us. U.S. Open final slam of the tennis season starting on Monday. The draw is on Thursday, um, and we will do a Beating the Book podcast on that. On Thursday, post-draw. More on that momentarily. Let me get back to the beating of the book for a second. Uh, also, it's our Q3, our MLB Q3 derivative show today, which is a tried-and-true podcast tradition and also on a numbers game where we do it after roughly 40 games, roughly after 81, roughly after 121, 122. That's where we are right now. The quarter pole, if you will, of the Major League Baseball season. So later we will not only look at the very widely available stats of the teams, the, the clubs that have made the most money on the money line and on the run line and those that have hemorrhaged the most for betters. We'll also do home road splits on the money line. We'll also talk about first five-inning stats, which clubs have been the most profitable, the least profitable, if you will, or the biggest losers for, for betters, both on the money line and run line, first five innings, courtesy of Odd Shark and uh, EV Analytics. And then our very proprietary first-inning stats, which you'll only find here, which pitchers fare the best in the first innings, which fit pitchers have, uh, which starters have fared the worst. And again, with all of that, it is a constant question to ask, what is narrative? What is predictive moving forward into baseball's final quarter? We will do that with Mark Borchard, as we always do at the top of uh, next hour. Um, back to the Beating the Book podcast. And Jeff, I want to bring this up because I, I, I don't often, I guess I should talk about it more on this show. That's stupid of me. The Beating the Book podcast and the Betting Dork podcast before that, for those who are unfamiliar with sort of uh, the last 10, 12 years, uh, I started podcasting pretty much before everybody but Dan Bespris did and uh, in this space. And we, uh, you know, it's been, been something that we've, that really sprouted everything else that I do. And so we got back to doing a Beating the Book podcast yesterday. We did the NFL football preview. Uh, typically, again, it's guessing lines, which we repurpose from a numbers game during the football season and the Megapod on Thursday. That's the the crux of it that we do during football season. Then off season, we'll do a whole bunch of random stuff. So we got back into it yesterday with the NFL preview pod 
and it was spectacular. Las Vegas Chris and Matt Brown from VEASAN, from Primetime Action, we got together. We talked all NFL for over an hour. Uh, tremendous, tremendous response. They were awesome. So I encourage people to uh, go and uh, seek that out and listen to it. We were getting, I hadn't looked at numbers, Jeff, but for like tennis pods, we were getting five figures worth of listeners per episode. So that thing is a juggernaut, and I, I can't be more appreciative for people who have listened to that through the years. Uh, it is still the bread and butter of all this, and we look forward to another great football season of both Guessing Lines with Chrissy and, of course, the Megapod as well. Looking forward to that with uh, uh, perhaps, a, uh, perhaps a little new look. Jeff, you know anything about that this year? Anything about that? I know nothing. Okay. Just curious. Um, but we'll do – so we have the NFL preview pod that is up right now. We will do – Drew and I will do the U.S. Open pod on Thursday. I think we can't get – Dan O'Dan Weston is doing some cricket stuff, so we can't really get to him. Excuse me? Yeah, he's doing some cricket stuff. Cricket? Is he playing cricket? He's not playing cricket, but he's he's betting on it, and he's helping betting others cricket. bet on it. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing. He's, Why don't you do a, a beating the book pod on cricket? Because yeah, we might not get as many <laughs> many years on that. Uh, next week, Sean Patrick Griffin and Jimmy Baba Batista, the Tim Donahue scandal on the Beating the Book podcast as well. So check it out wherever podcasts are distributed. By the way, there's a numbers game podcast too. Do I ever promote that? I should probably promote that. You can always check out this show, anything you missed. Uh, and any show that you miss here on the network, you can also uh, find it in podcast form. Uh, VEASAN.com would be a nice place to, uh, VEASAN.com slash podcast would be a nice place to find those as well, including a numbers game. Baseball yesterday, Jeff, uh, we were texting because your Mets were taking on the Yankees. Yankees get it done. Four to two. There was a moment there where Vogelbach went yard after a horrible Yankees error in the field, and it was three to two. And you looked like the Mets might be able to get off the Schneid and win that, but it was not to be. Um, always great watching Vogelbach in his very tight jersey around the bases, though. That's always amusing. But um, Judge homered as well. But the real story for me, I was texting about this Jordan Montgomery yesterday, and we said it at the time on August. Second, well, I guess we said it on August 3rd when we reacted to the to the Major League Baseball trade deadline, but we said it that day. The single most curious trade was at the very end of it when the Yankees' Brian Cashman unloads Jordan Montgomery for a hurt player in Harrison Bader. Now, Harrison Bader may, may end up being a great defensive help to the New York Yankees in center field, but he traded for a hurt player who we have not seen yet. And Jordan Montgomery in his fourth start now with the Cardinals last night, a one to nothing, a shutout win, complete game shutout win, one hitter from Jordan Montgomery. He pitched a Maddox last night, Jeff. A Maddox, a complete game and fewer than 100 pitches. He faced one more than the minimum, 28 batters. And Jordan Montgomery now uh, in a Cardinals uniform, 4-0, and and has just been absolutely spectacular. Cardinals magic. By the way, what a perfect night for Cardinals bet, for Cardinals fans. Not only does Jordan Montgomery get it done again with a near no-no. By the way, retired, I think, was the last 19 hitters of that game. But Albert Pujols with the solo Jimmy Jam, and that's 693 for Pujols. Is he getting to 700? What do you think? Oh, I think he's a pretty significant favorite now to get there. With a full quarter of the season left. Yeah, I think he's a pretty significant favorite, which is kind of amazing because I was like, oh, it's a shame. He's in his last year. He's not going to get even past A-Rod, who's at 696. Now he's going to blast by it. It's pretty amazing that Pujols, who legitimately looked as done as done can be through the first half of the season, 
whatever it was in that home run derby, just the, the light <laughs> went on for Albert. And then for, or, for, or something. something. I mean, yeah. it's just or amazing. Something. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. That's all I got to say. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, and then for Montgomery, I mean, look, I, you we you said it. I said it at the time. Uh, the first reaction we to did. seeing that trade was texting a friend of mine who's on the radio and saying, Lewis, I'm like, what in the world are the Yankees doing? The Cardinals are catching a huge break here by getting a, a, a starting pitching piece they need. And Montgomery has exceeded all expectations. Montgomery's probably their third starter now in a postseason series. Yeah, I would say Wainwright starts game one. Michael starts game two. Montgomery starts game three. Quintana starts game four. Five-game lead for the Cardinals down the NL Central. The other team I want to bring up is the Atlanta Braves. Because I feel like, and Spore and I talk about this every year, we don't seem to ever talk about the Red Sox when they're in contention. And for some reason, we never talk about the Braves. And, oh, this just in, the Braves are the defending World Series champions. So we sort of made fun of ourselves last year. It's like we probably talked less about that team than any of the other postseason contenders last year. So we're not going to make that mistake this year. And the Braves, yes, they do trail your uh, New York Metropolitans in the uh, National League East. But right now you can get the Braves to win the NL East. I'm, I'm showing at, at BetMGM, I'm showing plus 350 to win the East, plus 600, 6-1 to one to win the uh, National League, 12-1 to one to win it all. And right now they trail your Mets by, what is it, three games in the, in the NL East. Again, quarter of the season, give or take a few games for every team, quarter of the season left. And I just want to give you, like, how often do you get a team? First of all, before we get off the Jordan Montgomery thing, do you think if the Yankees don't win the World Series, Brian Cashman is done? I think Aaron Boone is 100% done. I don't think Cashman's done, though. I was going to say, if, if the Yankees win, let's say, I mean, the Yankees could still win 100 games, right? If they turn this around, they could very easily win 95. But let's say, I mean... Even if they won 100 and then got bounced in the postseason, do you think this Jordan Montgomery thing would be enough? Like, if that was a factor, like they didn't, they just didn't have enough pitching in the postseason, you think they'd bounce Brian Cashman after 25 I, years? I, I don't think so. Because that would be brutal. I don't think, I don't think it happens. I think but Boone is gone if they don't win at all. That I'd feel pretty confident on. I think he kind of feels that. The Braves, let me just get back to them. So the World Series champions. How often does a World Series champion add three amazing rookies? This is going into yesterday, by the way. This doesn't include Michael Harris hitting a homer yesterday. But Spencer Strider, 26 games, 15 of those are starts. 7-4, 2.95 ERA, over 100 innings pitch now, 13.5 Ks per nine. The aforementioned Michael Harris going into yesterday where he hit his 13th homer. But at that point, he had 12 homers, 15 stolen bases, 283 batting average, 813 OPS. And then there's Vaughn Grissom who in a very short uh, sample size now, 13 games, but going into yesterday when it was 12 games, 395 average, three homers, nine RBIs, and a 1.121 OPS. Are we just forgetting about them? No, I, well, I'm not forgetting about them. <laughs> because they're I right know you're the, not. No, they, they look, they're, it's been pretty apparent to me for the better portion of a month now that the Dodgers, the Mets, and the Braves – are, and no disrespect to St. Louis, who I think is quite good in their own right. They are so much, those three teams are in a completely different stratosphere than everyone else in the National League. And quite frankly, other than Houston, I think those three teams are better than everyone else in the American League. Yeah, I guess what I, I don't mean forget, because obviously yeah. no one's forgetting about them. We're all talking about them. But from a betting standpoint. They're, they're a little disrespected. A little disrespected. Yeah, a little bit. 
Yeah. And, 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 and as great as Harris has been, as good as Strider has been, oh, Grissom. the biggest difference in this lineup, because remember, the Mets took four out of five at the beginning of the month, and it looked like things were going to be done in the NL East. They bring up Grissom two days after that series. <sighs> and that lineup went from being, all right, you can get Arcia out with Albie still hurt. Uh, you can get Ozuna out whenever they decide to play him for no apparent reason. But now there's no breaks in that lineup, especially when Ozuna's not in the lineup and it's Grossman batting ninth. And now with Grissom in there, who's been phenomenal. That is it's a ferocious lineup, and it's even better than what it was earlier in the year now. I think that might be the first time we ever use the word ferocious on this show. Ferocious. It is indeed. Uh, anyway, just uh, looking at those stats, how often does a World Series champ add three rookies like that? It's just incredible. We'll come back. Drew Dinsick will join us to talk some football and some tennis. It's a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. Numbers game proudly brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. Do not forget, it's the king of sports books. Won't take you but a few seconds to sign up for the app. Uh, that won't take you but a few seconds. And to sign up for actual betting, that won't take you but a few minutes by just going in to a BetMGM location. Visit BetMGM.com. Download the BetMGM, uh, BetMGM, BetMGM app today. Pardon me. And voila, you're making bets from the king of sports books right here. On a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. It's Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay is here as well. You okay over there? I'm okay. Uh, it was a little bit of a, uh, a screen read is what just happened there. You know what I mean? For those uh, looking uh, behind the curtain. So that's what happened. 
Um, I was just looking at these because uh, Albert Pujols, right? Fifth all time at 693. Three behind A-Rod. Third would be Babe Ruth, of course, at 714, right? Then you get into hallowed numbers. Barry Lamar Bonds being number one. Uh, and I was just looking at the, uh, the list of all-time home run leaders and some of the names that have hit 400-plus home runs. And I'm curious what your reaction is, because as I go through these, I, I can't help but be amused by some. Did you know, so, so Soriano hit 412, Edwin Encarnacion hit 424. These are some, Paul Canerco hit 439. Yeah, that, that I remember Canerco hitting more than we anticipated. Soriano's the one that is surprising of the three you've mentioned so far. Nelson Cruz, by the way, 459 and still counting. Yeah, he ain't getting the 500. <laughs> uh, and then the last one here, did you, if I had asked you, hey, how many homers do you think Adrian Beltre hit? What would you have said? Probably about 450. 477, 31st all time. Pretty close to 500. I would not have thought that, he was that close. That dude, if he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, it's ridiculous. What a player. What think, a player he was. Think anybody will try to give him a noogie on his uh, head when he went, when he gets into the Hall of Fame? Are they going to bring Elvis Andrews <laughs> in wherever <laughs> he is? Beltre just ruins his whole ceremony. Ladies and gentlemen, he does not one but two podcasts, The Deep Dive with Andy Molitor, and, of course, NBC Sports, Bet the Edge with uh, Sarah Perlman. It's Drew Dinsick, everybody, from the LBC. How you doing, man? Oh, not too bad. It's uh, been, you know, I, 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 I didn't realize baseball was still going on, so that was a nice update there. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, that's exciting. <laughs> You're very welcome. Uh, by the way, you have any? Te- you have any? Do you play any tennis this week before the Slam? Do you stay away? Yeah, from I like it? I like WTA Cleveland. Oh, so um, do I. So do I. Yeah, the um, ATP Winston Salem, no bets, no bets. Stay away. Don't, I don't. Don't even mess with it. Not only do <laughs> yeah. I. Not only do yeah. I have no bets, but all the lines are what they should be. I think so. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. I, it, that. That's. That's throwing darts. And uh, but WTA Cleveland, I like Towson today a lot. I think she should be a meaningful favorite over uh, uh, Alize Cornet. Cornet way out of form. Her performance last week was uh, quite uninspiring against Sloane Stevens. I think Towson is uh, kind of on the come up anyway. Uh, nice matchup for her. And then uh, I think uh, Serana Cristea uh, should be a bigger or at least should be a meaningful favorite over Lynette there. Um, Ooh, we, are, we, Matt, are oppo. Yeah. we are oppo. We're oppo on that one. Yes. Oh, you're a Magda Lynette fan today, huh? I uh, I bet her last night. Can we throw up mine as well? I, I did uh, Magda Lynette last night at minus 116 over Thursday, uh, and I did uh, Nuria Parisa Diaz at minus 106 against Harriet Dart, but I don't I think like that one. I don't think either of those numbers are still there. Let me check. Uh, let's get the update, get the uh, parameters here, if this will just update for us. Do, 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 do. Computer not uh, cooperating. There you go. Uh, so Towson and Cornet. Towson's still minus 111 in yours. Still very playable. Lynette is back to minus 115, so she's right where I bet it. And uh, what's the other one here I mentioned? was, uh, oh, yeah, on uh, per- Parisa's Diaz. That one's a little higher. She's minus 118. I would still play it at minus 118, but I wouldn't let it get past minus 125 on that one. No, that that sounds reasonable. Yeah. Uh, interesting. We get to go head to head on the uh, the Lynette uh, play there, but uh, yeah, Towson and uh, uh, and yeah, that one's probably my favorite look of the day if I could only have one. Uh, pretty successful day yesterday, and then I'm riding uh, Bernarda Pera uh, to win that uh, that WTA Cleveland title at sixteen to one. That's, oh, uh, nice. Uh, that's going to be a fun one. I thought uh, Krachikova was going to be on the ropes yesterday. 
yesterday uh, as a dog, uh, as the one seed. But uh, her opponent, of course, withdrew. So Kuchikova effectively got a walkover. But uh, per- para tomorrow uh, over Kuchikova is a good look, in my opinion, as well. Anything now, you and I, you've uh, you're kind enough to do the beating the book uh, post draw U.S. Open podcast on Thursday. Looking forward to that. Uh, for those who were listening all year, we had the uh, the famous French Open one where we were l- reacting live to the ridiculous draw on the men's side, which was awesome. I don't know if Dano's, Dan Weston's going to be able to join us. He's got some cricket. Uh, <sighs> he's got some cricket things. He's got to he's got to tend to. But any pre-draw yeah. thoughts for people who uh, who are, w- will or will not be able to listen to that before the draw actually comes out? Have you added any bets for the U.S. Open? I think no, and I, I think waiting for the draw is, is practically the smart thing to do. But uh, these markets and the outrights mar- markets, in particular for both the men's and the women's, have not been close to right for months, which is crazy. <laughs> like usually, these get hammered into shape as we get some results from the hard court swing. Um, but the you know, particularly on the men's side, where as of this moment, Djokovic is not going to be allowed to play. Yeah. Um, but he still eats up an enormous margin at the top of the board. Uh, you know, that there's there's ways to attack that, surely. Um, you know, the other kind of realistic competitors for the US Open, besides Djokovic, who's obviously, you know, the class of the field, but hasn't played since he won Wimbledon. Um, you know, the the uh the Medvedev uh you know um uh, uh, defense title defense tour is good is uh, is very real there I think uh, you know he's going to be your one seed regardless just because he's the world number one right now um, so he should be afforded a pretty favorable draw and then everybody else is somewhat out of form Rafa Nadal of course dealing with an injury still from his uh, exit at Wimbledon uh, and you know Zverev is pulled out he would have been uh, one of the uh, kind of hotter picks considering he ran to the semifinals and almost defeated Djokovic last year so um, you know there's going to be some new names in the mix on the men's side. And I think, uh, you know, you, you have to keep an eye on what, uh, Felix Alger Aliasim has done so far on this, uh, hardcore swing. He looks, you know, if he can kind of keep it together for two weeks, which is a huge, if, uh, you know, his, at least his ceiling is high enough to, uh, take him deep into this tournament. And then, um, you know, there's, there are a handful of other up and coming players, uh, who look to break out, uh, Carlos Alcaraz, who had one of the most phenomenal springs we've ever seen from mm-hmm. a young player yeah. has not backed that up at no, all. No, uh, no. this, no, no, no. This late summer swoon from him uh, is kind of expected when you use that many of your bullets in the spring. Um, the idea that as a 19 year old, you're going to be able to carry that form through to the fall is, you know, it's a tough ask. And, you know, we're seeing that on the women's side too, I think with the way Iga has uh, been a swooning of late. Um, she's still obviously the class of the field, but we've seen her numbers drift from plus 250 to, you know, five to one range. It's starting to get to where it's getting, you know, close to, if not yeah. a bettable price. Let me ask you, um, let me ask you about yeah. this though, because this is the, this is getting into the weeds of tennis, ladies and gentlemen. So enjoy. Um, there's <laughs> been this thing about on the women's side, and I did not know this, and I'm curious if you did. That they the U.S. Open is the only Slam where the women play with a different tennis ball than the men do, and now the entire hard court swing for the lady side is played with a different Wilson made, but a different tennis ball, which is slightly smaller. I believe is the, uh, is the, was one of the, the key points of it. But Iga has come out publicly, not only her, Paula Badosa, Jesse Pagula, all three of them are like, yeah, this ball sucks. That's my paraphrasing by the way. <laughs> and, and essentially what it feels like, what it feels like is it levels the playing field. 
and yeah. that you have less. So the the really truly powerful players like Sviatek, like like Badosa, like Pagula, have less control over the tennis ball. And then you have other players who are sort of having a a sort of rebirth, like a Kvitova, Petra Kvitova, who are like, this is the greatest thing ever. I can actually compete in tournaments. I'm curious, like, does that seep into your handicap? Absolutely, yeah. Anyone, uh, Iga in particular, who relies so much on topspin, this is a huge, huge, huge factor. Did you know Um, that they used a different ball, Drew? At the U.S. Open, yeah, yes, yeah. Did no, you did you a, know that they yeah. had made it the entire hard court season this year? Though? No, no, I, that I didn't know. That was no, brand no, new. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I they snuck I, that in on us. Yeah, the uh, tracking of the balls and how that plays into the handicap is sort of one of the quieter ways to mm-hmm. capture an edge um, in general. Um, you know, the the amount of fuzz on the ball, <laughs> the uh, uh, the way that the ball was working with the humidity. Uh, well, well like that's all what it is things. too. Yeah. Like one's a deluxe yeah. and one's a regular. It's a, but it's all they're all made by Wilson. I'm not sure why they don't make the change. Yeah. I don't either. I, I, it, it is it is interesting, but uh, there are players like Nadal, like Iga, who rely ex, you know extremely heavily on getting topspin on their forehand. Uh, that's how they kind of make their hay. And if you've watched much Iga uh, these last couple of weeks, oh, you can yeah. tell she is she is a very she's like afraid of using her forehand. Frustrated. She's trying to play around it. Yeah. Um, and you know when considering that that was like an elite weapon for her throughout the entirety of the clay swing, and now she's kind of afraid of it is uh it's concerning honestly if you're you know expecting her to make a, a deep run here but again everybody else is out of form there's really not like a clear like who should be the second choice should it be caroline garcia like she seems to be the informed player like it's not crazy that she would be you know the second choice after Iga for this u.s open title but um you know ultimately could this be what we see in years in general where there's a little bit more chaos a little more uncertainty i would say absolutely yeah Caroline Garcia had a nice time riding her uh, semis and finals this past weekend. Um, yeah, it also explains why the U.S. Open ladyside winner tends to be an outlier, right? Tends to be different from year to year, unlike yeah. the other slams. But I did not know they did it for the whole hardcore. They really s- sort of snuck that in. Football next with Drew. Numbers Game Visa and the Sports Betting Network. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. The college football guide is out now, and the NFL guide drops this Thursday. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of every team, including team trends, power ratings, and over under recommendations, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Remember, the only way to get access to this year's football betting guides is to become a VSIN all access subscriber. Sign up on our discounted football special and get all access to everything we do from now through the Super Bowl for only $170. Or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all year long. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Skill Alexander, Jeff Parlay is here as well, and Drew Dinsick for both the Deep Dive and, of course, Bet the Edge podcast, wherever podcasts are distributed. Uh, how often does each of those come out during football season? How many episodes a week? Oh, we're going to do two deep dives, uh, Sunday night openers, and then Wednesday looking at the full slate. Uh, and then for NBC, we're going to be doing daily stuff. So every morning, uh, like around 8 a.m., there'll be some live stuff, uh, but they may repackage it and kind of get it up around midday for everybody on the East Coast. Nice. Nice. By the yeah. way, great pod you did with our buddy Tim Lawson on The Better Life about a month or so ago. Don't hold me to that. But how you talked about sports betting media, I thought that was a fascinating discussion. And if you and I had an hour to talk here, I would get into it with you. (laughs) It was was great. Tim does a great job with that uh, that pod. 
Um, I, uh, yeah, yeah, love talking about that general topic. And, you know, we, people want the content, you know, what's, what, what, what am I betting today as opposed to sort of like kind of stepping back and looking at like sort of the grand scheme of things. And it's, it's fascinating to think about and talk about where we're going with all this. Cause you know, it's not clear to me, uh, really that anyone has sort of solved, uh, you know, the content side of things and, you know, we're doing what we think is you know, it, you know, we're doing our, our, our best to be entertaining and also, uh, you know, provide some value to people. But, uh, yeah, I think there's still a long way to go before, you know, you know, the, everybody else catches up, you know, so to speak. Yeah. There's also the element of you, you'll never satisfy everybody, right? There's also right. that element as well thrown into the mix. You only can, you only can cover as much as you, uh, you can, but it is a, uh, it is a moving target sometimes. Um, but anyway, it's a fascinating discussion. I wanted to ask you, since you're doing the U.S. Open pod with me this week, didn't have you on the football preview pod. Could have. Didn't. My apologies. But I'll, I'll ask you a question that I asked uh, both Matt Brown and Las Vegas Chris on the Beating the Book NFL preview pod yesterday, which is, all right, the NFL season finally approaching. Thank goodness. Thank you, Lord. Um, and so if we look back on this, if let, let's say we fast forward to right before the postseason, and I'm like, wow. Drew, imagine what we thought before the season started. This team that everybody just assumed was going to be in the postseason didn't get there. What would that team be in both the NFC and the AFC, if you had to guess? Start with the I NFC. I think the – yeah, man, the NFC is easier to call because they're – you know, the first of all, the top is pretty shaky. Um, you know, your three presumed best strongest teams in terms of power rating are the Rams, Bucks and, and Green Bay Packers. And there are a litany of reasons to be sellers on all three of those teams, Bucks dealing with injuries, uh, Packers dealing with, uh, you know, a weak wide receiving core and in general, just a lopsided team where their defense is now the strength of that, you know, the overall strength of the team as opposed to the offense. And, uh, and then with the Rams, they're a stars and scrubs unit on a good day. Um, and you know, the Rams, I thought were extremely lucky last year to win the Super Bowl, let alone, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the path that they ended up kind of getting. Um, but, uh, they were very, very healthy last year. They're kind of core four starters between Stafford cup, uh, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. I think Ramsey is the only player that missed one game last year, which is pretty amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, they don't have a ton of depth. They are all in on their stars and uh, you know, that, that, that is a, a fragile way to go into a season. So I think the Rams are a pretty obvious answer here because number one Stafford, we already know is dealing with an elbow. Uh, and number two, all it's going to take is some unfortunate bounce with one of those other guys. And all of a sudden this team looks a lot weaker. So, uh, Rams pretty obvious, uh, answer. I think the bucks ultimately do make the playoffs even though they are dealing with a cluster injury at the offensive line position and wide receiver right now. Um, but uh, the NFC South is so soft that ultimately I think the middle of their schedule, end of their schedule affords them the opportunity to kind of build into their season. Uh, they may come in as a wild card though, because I think the Saints are, you know, a very dangerous, uh, you know, in-division opponent. Um, and, uh, you know, the Packers, I think, ultimately make the playoffs as well. But uh, nothing about that offense is going to look familiar at all. I think Aaron Rodgers taking a meaningful step back in terms of production, considering he's now got to do it without Demonte Adams is a real concern. And, um, you know, they built the team now to be, you know, kind of heavy run, uh, and, uh, you know, just in general kind of elite defensive talent, but they run a scheme that's pretty light. So, uh, there's going to be games where, you know, the Packers find themselves at a deficit. They can't get off the field because the other team is running the ball down their throat because they run such light sets. 
Uh, and then, uh, you know, Packers don't have the aerial weapons to, to make, to mount a comeback. So, um, you know, I think for sure, if there are surprises, they're mostly going to be in the NFC in terms of the top, uh, in the AFC, the bills and the, you know, the chiefs are your two elite teams. Don't overthink it. Uh, bills, especially in what is, I think an increasingly questionable AFC East, um, chiefs are in a much tougher division. And if ultimately they go three and three in division, it won't surprise anyone. Uh, so they're probably going to have to go on the road to, to make hay in the playoffs as opposed to having hosted the, uh, you know, AFC title game in the last four years. Um, but still, you know, those, those quarterbacks in Mahomes and Josh Allen are entering their prime. They all, they showed growth last year in terms of being tested by defenses, asked to do things differently and answered all of those questions. So, um, you know, I think those guys being in the mix for, you know, AFC championship is probably where you, you start and end. Um, and then everybody else in the AFC who's good, uh, you know, good or even great, but not elite offensively, there are questions, you know, the chargers have one of the most complete rosters I've ever seen a team put together, but they have still questions about their run defense on top of the fact that, uh, you know, the offensive scheme and in play calling, you know, leaves a lot to be desired. Similarly, um, you know, there are questions about the, the overall completeness of the Baltimore Ravens team, even though Lamar Jackson is a clear kind of in the discussion from, you know, with those elite quarterbacks in the AFC. And then, uh, you know, similarly, the, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, you know, have a much tougher schedule this year. And, uh, but he, you know, but that, I think the market is a little soft on them, that that's a, that is sort of your fifth team of five that I think can realistically win the AFC. All right. So I, I definitely heard an answer on the NFC. I'm not sure I heard one on the AFC though. I think end. all five of those, all I think five, all five of, those. of those teams are going to playoffs. Really, I, okay. I mean, it's going to take it's going to take chaos, injuries, uncertainty uh, to knock any of those teams off. I, I, you know, I think the NFC playoff picture, you're going to look at it and scratch your head, like how in the world did we get here? Uh, the AFC gonna, playoff picture, I think, is going to be much more, you know, predictable. Because on the NFC, there's inevitably going to be a team or two, right, at the bottom of the yeah. playoff picture, where you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. sure. And he, I mean, yeah, they, they, even the bad teams in the NFC, I think, aren't quite as far away from the middle, uh, you know, is in the same way that the good teams aren't quite as, you know, that as as, as uh, far away uh, to the good. So, uh, yeah, and NFC could shuffle and distribute and yeah. you could see teams like Philly, Minnesota, they could be live for the one seed. Uh, San Francisco could finish as high as 13 wins, as low as six. Like there, there is chaos that will come. Uh, I think on on the NFC side of the it ball. Did for sure, and and your point is well taken. Like the Washingtons and the Carolinas of the world could very well be a playoff team if all swung their way. You just don't know, or they could be horrific. You you know, yeah. this is the thing. This is the this is the topic sentence of this segment is none of us knows a damn thing really <laughs> until we actually see them take the field. And the first again with when you go down to three weeks of preseason, the first month is kind of squirrely. Like I think we oh, yeah. saw that last. Last year, and I think that might be a thing now. And just just the one game, you know, difference in, in preseason and, and the way that teams are now completely dramatically handling a preseason differently. Speaking of which, did you are you making any week three preseason bets, or are you staying away? I have had a very successful preseason so far, but I am trading very lately for week three. Um, it is tur- it turned out we didn't you know when they went from four games to three. We weren't exactly sure how teams would treat week one, week two, week three, mm-hmm. uh, but they clearly, clearly, clearly treated week one like week two used to be. 
like that was look at the scores, look at the the playing time distribution of starters, second string, blah, blah, blah. Like that was across the uh, entire NFL. Everybody treated week one like they used to treat week two. Week three, I mean, uh, you know, week three being like week two was not the, uh, you know, the correct assumption for uh, this current, uh, you know, game run of games. Some teams treated it like a traditional week three where they gave their starters a full half of football. Others treated it like a week four where they were literally like, let's not get anyone hurt and let's not put anything good on tape. Um, and so, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, sort of shuffling and what we've gotten so far in terms of information for week three, where some teams are tr- treating it like a dress rehearsal. Others are looking to kind of get through unscathed you know, it is, uh, it's going to make for a relatively chaotic, uh, you know, set of outcomes surely. But, uh, if you can stay one step ahead of the information in terms of, um, you know, who's starting and, uh, you know, what kind of playing time teams are getting, then, um, you know, there surely are edges to be had. I still laugh about the, uh, you know, Bill's first half yeah. line was minus seven, yeah. you know, and they literally were like, Hey, all of our starters, you know, are going to go for a full series. We're going to push, we're, we're pushing our real offense for a half. They were very candid about that. Denver was very candid about, we're going to put our second string defense out there and it's still closed. Buffalo minus seven, <laughs> you know, full game was like minus six and a half. So, uh, yeah, this has been, it's been a funny preseason market overall, but you can definitely beat it with information. All right. Next week, uh, we'll talk about if you added any final season long bets to your NFL portfolio. I know you've been sort of, uh, treading lightly on that as well. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Enjoy, uh, the start of college football anyway, this weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you oh, talk to you Thursday. Well, but... U.S. Open. Yeah. I'll talk to you. I... Yeah, I can't wait. Drew Densick, everybody. Let's talk some college football with Adam Kramer next. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. 
a numbers game with Gil Alexander on v the sports betting network. Attention, BetMGM customers. Drive your attention. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign in to your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. How about that? Share the excitement at BetMGM and get a $50 bonus. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued. That's rewards issued as non-withdrawable site credit. Site credit expires in 30 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. It's Gil Alexander. This is a no-slander week zero college football zone. And that's why we bring in Adam Kramer, everybody, from Bleacher Report. And, of course, doing his thing at vcin.com. Adam, great to talk to you, man. It's great to hear your voice. We are back. Feeling good, man. We're going to try to cram a bunch into one segment. We're going to get to your week zero thoughts here. Uh, I hate calling it week zero, but we're going to go with it. First, uh, Georgia, every which way last year, you hit the Royal Flush. Every which way, Georgia wins the national title. This year, though you respect Georgia, Ohio State is your team, correct? That's correct. Yeah, Ohio State is the team, and what could possibly go wrong, right, <laughs> running this thing back? So, um, and, and look, the formulas, I think, are a little bit different than what I liked in Georgia last year. Uh, but Ohio State, you lose two wide receivers to the first round of the draft, and you should actually be, I think, considerably better. They still led the nation in scoring offense. Um, you've got a great quarterback in Stroud. You've got wide receivers all over the place, although Marvin Harrison Jr. makes me feel very old every time I, I you know, look it up statistically, um, but should be really good. You've got a great running back. The offensive line should be good. But Jim Knowles coming over from Oklahoma State to lead that defense, I think is the most exciting part. That has been, you realize, you know, Ohio State has had this offense for a while now, really since Ryan Day arrived. The defense, the secondary has let him down. Knowles for Oklahoma State was so good last year, and he inherits a lot. Zach Harrison came back along the defensive line. Guy Jack Sawyer, who I did a profile on, a local kid who I think is going to explode this year. So much talent. And then really the big thing is the schedule. It's conducive to win a lot of football games. That is the formula. It's conducive to not only win a lot of football games, but get the one or the two seed and be in a position to thrive. So, I just think all the pieces are there, and you even look at the opening weekend against Notre Dame. Does that game, you know, as someone who's, who's been Ohio State to win the title, scare me? No. Should it scare me maybe more than it should? I don't know. I'll find out. I, just, <laughs> I think offensively they're going to overwhelm a lot of teams. And, and, and the other last part I'll say, Stroud really looked shaky. And I, as a guy that put up a huge statistical season for a big chunk of the year. I don't think we see that this year. I think it's going to be explosive. I think it's going to be awesome. Well, let's let's transition that. There's a nice segue into a piece you wrote at vcin.com for subscribers about the Heisman Trophy, where, of course, much like Ohio State is the short shot, C.J. Stroud is the short shot to win the Heisman. You went through, you think it's a justified short shot, by the way, on the one hand, but you did go through some, some long shots. I won't give them all away. But one of them was Alabama running back Jameer Gibbs, who you can get at uh, at least the time of your writing about fifty-five to one. What's what? What do you see the path for him being? 
Yeah, he's 35 to 1 now, right? So yeah. the, the, the secret is out. So I think the path is look, there's a formula in place for Alabama running backs. And although they've done a lot of running back by committee work, uh, Derek Henry and others have defied some of that. And I, I just have been so impressed with him. Not enough people saw what he did at Georgia Tech two way back in terms of the fact that he got a ton of receiving yards. Huge explosive plays, had a huge explosive play in the spring game. And look, I'm not going to say that the Alabama running back, like that they are, you know, without depth, of course. This is a, a, a roster, a position that other teams would love to have. They're bringing this guy in to take a ton of pressure off the quarterback and to help some of the young players, the young wideouts, really come into their own. The workload is going to be extensive. I think the part that's really exciting here is the ability to receive. So, yeah, now at 35 to 1, and, you know, on the heels of Bijan Robinson in terms of the second uh, offensive player to not be a quarterback, of course, Jackson Smith as well. So I think he's going to be in that mix. I think it's a guy that is going to really open some eyes for, for the other, others that haven't been paying attention to what he's done in other places. Yeah, I think I'm betting Jackson Smith the Jigba. I think I'm, I think I'm going that way. 25. Oh, my God. Yeah, 25 to 1 on that. All right, this week, uh, your first of your weekly pieces, and this will be every week at VEASAN.com from Adam Kramer. Uh, was kind enough to join us weekly here on the show. You talked about the Longhorns' spate of injuries, which has just been awful for Steve Sarkeesian and the uh, and Texas down there. But you also talked about these DraftKings head-to-head season win totals. Um, did you end up firing on any of these? By the way, I'm still processing. I just really like the bets, and and why I like them is there's some there's some juiciness to them, right? The fact that USC versus Oklahoma in terms of win total bets, I am going to fire on USC. Uh, I've spent about six months wondering where where I am with USC, and maybe that should should answer that question at least to a degree. Uh, USC, you know, minus 115 versus Oklahoma. Uh, I think Miami versus Oregon is a really compelling bet as well, and I would probably lean Miami there. Ohio State, Alabama, again, you know, minus 115 for Ohio State, Alabama minus 105. I'm going to probably stay away from that. And the one I really am am battling. NC State versus Texas A&M. I think the last time you and I talked, yeah. we talked about NC State being this um, off-season champion, potentially. And they were, I think, when they had the quarterback, obviously losing one of the best old linemen in the country, but a team that was really solid last year. I think I'd go NC State there. Maybe I've cooled a little bit on the hype, but I looked at A&M's schedule and a really young roster. I think it's going to take some time. I just love the betting, especially the fact that they're, you know, there's some emotions tied to these, certainly, if you uh, back one of these various schools, given where the coaches landed. All right, week zero is here. College football is here, Adam. The soft launch, as our friend Pete Vutak called it. Uh, let's start in Dublin, Nebraska, <laughs> Nebraska Northwestern. It's our old buddy Scott Frost. What do you think about this game? Our old buddy who's gotten some help, right? You, you go to the transfer portal, you get about a dozen-plus new players. You get a new quarterback in Case Thompson. You get a new offensive coordinator in Mark Whipple who helped Kenny Pickett. I, you know, I, Ohio State is my team, but I really love what Nebraska has done. I really do. And if you look at this game last year when Nebraska found, like, new and exciting ways to lose essentially every single Saturday, they still clobbered Northwestern. This is not a very good Northwestern team. Now, can Nebraska just come out and actually win? Um, you know, Scott Frost is talking about his old lineman puking 20 times a practice. I don't know what you take from that other than that doesn't sound particularly great, and I would probably not fit in there. I think this Nebraska team is pretty good. They stuck with a lot of really good teams. And, again, I'm not going to use last year's results as a way to predict success this year. I think talent advantage is huge for Nebraska. I, I think this could get really, really ugly. 
Vandy is at Hawaii. Once again, another season where uh, Vandy's not expected to uh, set the college football world on fire. Let's put it that way, Adam. This is kind of almost a, a bowl game uh, sort of thing for them because if they don't win this at Hawaii, boy, it could be even worse than we expect. But they're six-and-a-half-point favorites. Squirrely things happen. Uh, in the islands and Timmy Chang leading the way for uh, Hawaii right now. So how many times uh, did those of us who bet college football and sports oh, yeah. bet on Timmy Chang in a midnight uh, game back in the day uh, to sort of uh, make your Saturdays better? Let's put it that way. What do you like here? Do you like Vandy giving the points or does this scare you? You know, I love the fact that my text message with my friends right now, they're not asking me who's going to win the national championship or the Heisman. They want to know about this game. <laughs> like that's it. And that is it. all anyone cares about is Hawaii is back. And so I'm, so I'm a little perplexed by this Hawaii last year. Of course, there was a lot of turmoil with Todd Graham. You had a lot of people transfer. You bring in a legend, somebody that's going to bring the program together. And obviously a guy that knows offense. So I think the offense in this game, to me, the, the play for me is the over. Like I feel pretty good about the over. I have a hard time sizing both of these rosters up. Maybe should be better. There was some, signs that things were getting a little better down the stretch, but the point you bring up is the best one, that you really need this game if you're Vanderbilt. It is going to be a long year. It's going to be a long existence, albeit a profitable one. Uh, I don't necessarily have a great feel for the side, but I do think the total here, for me, works out. A lot of these teams are going to try to move fast. Maybe, uh, Hawaii's defense, not the greatest, obviously. Uh, I'm looking at the total over 55 for a play. Okay, I like that play. Uh, and uh, we have a minute left here, and I promised I wouldn't slander <laughs> I wouldn't slander anything for week zero. Uh, but it's gonna be tough with Illinois, Wyoming. and I, I'm laughing because I remember <laughs> I remember this time last year, you in the stands watching Illinois, and that, oh. it was so funny. Uh, you were like, this oh. is the worst football I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> what do you what do you think about this game with the total? And this could be worse. Yes. Yes, this could be worse. It's uh yes, Illinois, Nebraska was horrifying. It's still still, you know, dreams, nightmares of it. I don't think there's gonna be a lot of offense. But I do think Illinois has the ingredients to at least run a little bit of what Brett Bielema wants to run. And that is to run, right? To run the football a little bit. Wyoming, as bad as Illinois was offensively. Uh, Wyoming was was worse. Now they played some pretty good defense. Uh, again, this is a tough one. Illinois season was so bizarre. Beating Penn State, you were competitive with some teams. You beat Minnesota, then you're bad elsewhere. So this is a the perfect week zero game where you're going to really take a stab. Uh, I'm betting on Brett Bielema. I'm betting on Illinois. I don't feel particularly great about it. <laughs> okay. Total is 44. Enjoy that one, boys and girls. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> Appreciate it. Adam, Take care, remember. Adam Kramer at Kegs and Eggs, one of the great Twitter handles of all time as well. Nerding out on baseball, MLB Q3 derivatives, five innings, first innings, next. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway.